to the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian. With me always is the short round to my indie, Tony. Say hello, Tone. Oh, Dr. Jones! <laughs> what up, guys? I'm a 110% pumped that this is going to be a good episode. Woo! I'm pumped. Do it. Woo! Just do it. PC. Whatever <laughs> else garbage I said last week. So this Cheers week, the Ocho. exactly. This week we uh, we get a more sober Tony, uh, as opposed to last week where, uh, boy, <laughs> you uh, you downed a half a bottle of margarita through uh, all of our technical difficulties and through the uh, episode, and it seemed by like the end that you uh, were almost in slow motion, like the whole thing had just slowed down. <laughs> I ran out of gas. So last week's episode, I remember. I'm surprised I actually held a good conversation with you for the most part. Um, but yes, I did get a, a little under the weather halfway and it did. I run out of batteries. <laughs> but this week, uh, sober, you, you, so no amazing Anthony this week, just talkative Tony. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, I thought it was hilarious, but again, that was because it was happening to you and not me. So. Yeah, exactly. There might be another one down the line, but not today. Today, but I'm still 110% pumped. <laughs> Go back uh, and listen to it and make it a drinking game. You'll be effed up by, uh, well, about 10 minutes into it. Probably. I, I think I even dropped the F-bomb like twice last week. You Oops. did, which... Yeah, uh, yeah. But you notice yeah. I caught it that time. I didn't say it. Yeah, luckily Apple didn't give us the, uh, um, you know parental advisory warning on last week's episode yes. but uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep it pg-13 on this in in this case yeah perfect <laughs> all right uh, as always we've got a ton of news to get into uh in geek nerd comic book tv movie video game culture and so we'll go ahead and head right on into it uh tv as we always start out with uh one of the shows that uh i love that's on network television. And network doesn't have as many good shows as they used to. Now everything seems to be going over to Netflix, Hulu, streaming services, whatever it might be. But uh, Fox has probably one of the best shows on TV in Gotham. And uh, Gotham, unfortunately, is heading into its fifth and final season. And uh, it was reported from fan site Gotham Hub that we may have a premiere date. Uh, which is March 15th of 2019. So, what? Uh, yeah, if you were hoping for a fall premiere, you're going to have to wait. <sighs> now, the one thing that the article doesn't say, and if I remember correctly, is that this last season uh, is sort of a limited season. It won't have as many episodes as uh, previous seasons had. So in this case, every episode counts. Um, do you happen to recall how many episodes they were planning for this one, Tome? I think the original call for it was about 19 or 20. In a normal season. In a normal one. This one's probably going to be, if it's a shortened season, we're probably looking about 10 to 12. Yeah, I wanted to say it was either 10 or 11, but, uh, yeah, with it being the last season and with the direction that uh, the storyline's been going, 
is that we're getting closer and closer to Bruce Wayne uh, taking over the uh, role of Batman, or not taking over, but becoming Batman. And uh, some of the things that have come out of uh, what's been reported for this upcoming season is that it's based mostly on the storyline No Man's Land uh, and a little bit of Year One, Year Zero, which, uh, again, goes directly into the whole idea of Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. And... Uh, from what cast members are saying that it's it's going to be a crazy season. Um, I'm interested to see how they finish it out. Um, you know, is it going to be sort of a Smallville thing where at the very end he finally puts on the suit for the very first time? Who knows? Yeah, this has been one of those really, really well done DC projects. And I'm not going to bash DC this week like I did last week, but... No, Gotham's an excellent show. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, um, it could, maybe because you're thinking, well, why would I want to watch all that stuff when he's not even Batman? Um, just to see the evolution of uh, James Gordon and and just the the connections with all the characters and how they've been bringing in the bad guys at a younger age, it's it's been a really neat series. I mean, it has been. I apologize. Somebody oh, has rung the doorbell, and now all of the dogs are freaking the hell out. Yeah, <laughs> you did. That's almost twice. We'll save that for special moments. It won't be for when dogs are barking. No, but, uh, no. You know, one thing I want to go on a side rant about about Gotham right now is if you're going to – I know why, because the show almost did get canceled because the viewership – they bounced it around. Is it Sometimes it's on Sunday, then it's on a Monday – then it's on a Thursday. Then it's on a Friday. Fox can't seem to keep that that right uh, time slot to, uh, where the viewership is there. Um, so it seems like Mondays is where it keeps ending up at. And uh, I think that's ultimately what was kind of why we're only getting, you know, five seasons. Well, this is the fifth final one. But uh, a shortened season is, I guess, where I'm trying to go with that. Because they just, I think they just want to wrap it up and be done. And it's it's a shame because, it, like I said, it's one of the uh, best shows on television, network television right now anyway. But, uh, yeah, Fox just couldn't seem to figure out uh, the right placement for it. And Fox doesn't have the best track record of holding on to the best shows. Um, if you recall Fringe, which was a fantastic show, oh, they canceled excellent. that for just a few seasons. And I don't know why they do it. Um, you know, but uh, maybe Gotham will find life on a streaming service, uh, maybe DC uh, Universe, perhaps. That's what I was going to say. I think that'd be a huge cue for it, you know, a good pickup and good reason to get it. I mean, I would I would subscribe to the DC Universe if that show was going to live on and be on there. It's, it's an excellent show. Well, to be fair, I'll probably subscribe to it anyway, but it would be a nice addition to it. Um, one of the other things in the article that they talked about is this season we're going to see the arrival of Bane. Um, so, um, <laughs> and not the Tom Hardy version. Okay. We will do whatever we want. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Tom Hardy's got so many interesting voices. Doesn't he, though? He really does. He really does. All uh, right. I got a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Gotham, we got to wait till spring before we see that. Uh, that date, that March 15th date, is typically around the time that uh, they would come back from their 
uh, winter break. So just think of it as if you had missed the first part of the season and uh, you're coming back in uh, when they come back from the break. Wow, that's a long ways away, but it does go by fast. It does. Hopefully, at this point, the dogs have finally chilled out a little bit. Yep, not hearing them yep. anymore. Silence. All right. All right. So moving on from uh, TV DC to TV uh, Marvel, uh, we announced last week that uh, Disney streaming service got their uh, name of the service put together. That is Disney Play. Not the most original, but it uh, doesn't matter what the heck it's called as long as the content is good. And so speaking of content, uh, Disney announced that they're planning standalone series for a couple different Marvel characters uh, played by the actors that appeared as those characters in the MCU, which uh, actually sounds pretty interesting. Um, you know, if, if they can't continue on in the cinematic universe, maybe they can carry their own show. And in that case, uh, you're looking at a show based around the Scarlet Witch and one with uh, Loki. Now, the only question there is obviously in uh, Infinity War, we saw that Loki died. Is it permanent? Is the show based around the time that Thor was gone? Is it a prequel show? Who knows? But, uh, you know, we obviously know some characters are coming back uh, from the Thanos snap. But, uh, you know, is Loki one of those? I know that'll make a lot of people happy. Loki is actually one of the big fan favorites, even though he was bad guy, good guy, bad guy, good guy. I mean... There's a lot of people, uh, like my buddy Jeremy's daughter, that's that's her go-to in the MCU. So when Infinity War came out and he died in the beginning, like he said she was in tears the entire movie. Like she was sobbing no kidding. the entire wow. time because her favorite character got whacked in the beginning. So, <laughs> Well, and I like what Marvel does with their uh, um, uh, villains. You know, they're not just straight villains where they're trying to take over the universe. You know, they've, they're complex, they're layered, and Loki's definitely one of those where, you know, he's likable, but at the same time, you don't know if he's got, you know, an ulterior motive or, or what he's got planned. And, you know, he's always doing what he can to serve himself. You know, Thanos is another one where he is a villain that thinks he's doing absolutely the right thing by wiping out half of the universe because he saw how it affected his home planet. And so that's where Marvel really shines in uh, their villain character development. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said. And I think for this uh, streaming service uh, to come up and bring some of these characters back, I think it's genius. Um, for Scarlet Witch, I wouldn't want to see anything... Currently, I'd like to see, I'd like to go back to the days when she was paired with her brother Quicksilver, um, and then tie it into like, now that X-Men will be coming over, and you can actually say mutants, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you can use, Ma and you can actually say that Magneto was, you know, her dad, and I think you start tying all that together, and, and I think we got a good show on our hands, you know. Like, how did, how did you get captured by the collector, and things like that, um, that would be as a fan where I'd want to see a Scarlet Witch, you know, show something along those lines, but definitely nothing with her and the vision. I'd be, I don't really need that. No, just my no. opinion, just my opinion. 
on that. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing that they said about these shows is that uh, these ones in particular will be uh, made under the Marvel Studios banner uh, as opposed to uh, shows like the ones that are on Netflix, like uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, or even ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which are under the Mar Marvel TV banner. And so we know that uh, these will definitely tie into the cinematic universe um, a little more closely than uh, some of those other shows. Well, I hope it's successful, man, because if, if you have a good show based around Loki and Scarlet Witch and you're able to get Tom Hiddleston and uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. As long as you can get the actual people that we're used to seeing and, and they're willing to do these shows, then it, it'll work. Don't do a recast of them unless you're going to go for a much younger. That's the only way you can do it to justify new character i would say like that but uh um seeing if if it's successful i'd love to see things like maybe a black widow show or uh, things like that i know she's in the works to get her own movie down the line so maybe that wouldn't work but other right. characters you know yeah, some of the lesser known yeah yeah i think it'd be cool Definitely. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, like you said, Tom Hilston, his Loki has such a avid fan base. That's going to be huge for be, uh, bringing people over to the streaming service. Oh, well, I'm already signing up for that one. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in for Disney Play. I don't like the name, but I'm in. <laughs> um, I'm 110% pumped. 110%. <laughs> All right, so uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Marvel's uh, Marvel TV uh, Netflix projects, and uh, one of the ones that I'm excited for is uh, Daredevil Season 3. It's coming back. The teaser trailers have started dropping, and it looks good. I mean, uh, you know, not spoiling anything, but uh, after the events of The Defenders, um, you know, Matt Murdock's a little on the uh, broken side, and... Uh, it's looking like this season is going to start out just intense. We're bringing back Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, and they're finally introducing uh, Bullseye as uh, one of the villains in this upcoming season. And I ain't calling Farrell, hopefully. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I know. This one's, uh, I just watched the trailer before we jumped on uh, to do this episode, and uh, it's gritty, man. It looks good. It he's looks really good. Ready. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed from the trailer, but he's back to his, uh, you know, season one outfit where it's, you know, the black uh, mask over the eyes and the black outfit. Uh, not sure what happened to the Daredevil suit itself, but uh, I would assume we'll see that come back with this season. Um, but, I mean, he's sort of going back to his roots and, and uh, embracing the uh, Daredevil alter ego. Well, and I think, too, having Fisk back, he was an excellent kingpin. Excellent kingpin in the first uh, series. First series? Wow, first season. I apologize. <laughs> well, if you were um, British, you could call it the first It's series. the first series. You know, I was really very excited about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, what a just a great villain. The whole fact that he's going to be getting out and probably, I would assume, looking for revenge. Um, it's it's going to be, whew, it's going to be a good one. Now, and, uh, 
Did oh, you sorry, go ahead? Did you see the uh new teaser trailer? I, I believe it dropped today. It was either today or last night, where it's teasing the return of the Kingpin and it's Vincent D'Onofrio in front of a mirror getting dressed in his iconic white suit. Um which sort of, even now talking about it, sort of gives me goosebumps because, you know, that's the kingpin I grew up with. No, I didn't, but, I, and I'm not going to, oh, I see the video right here, but I'm not going to watch it. In fact, what I'm going to do as we record and talk about this, I will share it right now to our Facebook page because I can do that. So as you're listening, it'll be up on the Facebook page. Won't be last week where I'm like, oh, I'm going to post that. 110%. I'm pumped. I love my fans. I do. I just don't remember agreeing to do any of that. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a little more content up there uh, this week. Uh, but again, you know, can't hold that against Tony. He was a little out of his element last week. Yeah. But uh, right now it's, um, it's now up on our Facebook page. So the Proton Pack podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Last week, I, what did we call it? I, we've already called it the Proton Pack Padcast. And Padcast. I think we stumbled with something else last week, too. Yeah. I don't remember. Who remembers? Who, knows? Who cares? Oh, Who knows? Well. But, but, yeah, Vintage White, it's, it's going to be great, man. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, Daredevil Season 3 coming back, and uh, that's going to be – I just closed the window. Uh, did you happen to catch the date that it's – Oh, yes. Let me – let me toggle, toggle. I got uh, a little trigger happy there. You got a little happy there, buddy. Uh, it is. Uh, it's gonna. It just says uh, we'll premiere and it'll pre- premiere. Yeah, it will premiere on Netflix in 2018. Are so you sure God, you haven't been drinking? Yeah, I haven't been drinking. October 19th. There you'll be go. back. October 19th. I've been drinking uh, aspartame, so. <laughs> Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> All right. Uh, so October, October 19th, um, you know, as of the recording, let's see, it's September 26th. We're getting into October, which means uh, we're getting into horror movie season, horror television season. Uh, one of my favorite times of year. Um, I love horror movies um, from old cheesy ones to uh, new truly scary ones. But uh, the iconic horror movie that I grew up with, that was always my favorite. And yeah, during the time there was the Halloween with Michael Myers. There was uh, Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees. But for me, it was all about Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I love the Freddy Krueger series. Um, going back and watching them, some of them are pretty campy. Uh, the new Nightmare was fantastic. That was scary. And then the uh, crossover, not crossover, the remake, uh, not so much. Uh, all of that going to say that uh, Robert Englund... Nice hearing from you, Carlos. <laughs> Robert Englund is returning to the role of Freddy Krueger. Yes. Now, with oh. that being said, uh, not oh. in a new movie, which would have been nice, uh, but he's actually playing the character on an episode of The Goldbergs, which, uh, you know, anytime you get a chance to see Robert England in the uh, Freddy makeup, I'll take it. Um, to be honest, The Goldbergs is not one of those shows that I watch regularly. Uh, that episode I will definitely check out. I will too. Even it, just because, like you said, it is Robert England as Freddy Krueger on a comedy TV show. 
And one of the best parts of the Nightmare on Elm Street series was that he was always uh, making jokes and and uh, a little bit of a goofy character in some of the most horrifying moments that you could think of. And so I, I think it'll play pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Freddy was my favorite, too. Um, I think the, the episode basically is... Um, the kid, I don't watch the Goldbergs either. I hear nothing but good things. If you're a child of the eighties and debt, that was the era you grew up in like we did. Um, so I would imagine you and I would like that. I I've seen maybe an episode or two and I laughed, but it's not something I go to. But, um, anyways, not to get too far off is, uh, apparently in this episode, uh, the son ends up watching a nightmare on Elm street and has nightmares. And that's where Robert England reprises his role as Freddie. Um, but since it's a comedy show, I'm sure there'll be a dance number or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but uh, it'll be fun to see him, you know, in that sort of um, element again. And uh, I don't know if you saw the little teaser video that they did with uh, the mom from the Goldbergs and uh, Freddie together, but uh, gives you a little sense of the humor. Oh yeah, it, the trailer is definitely funny. Um, again, that's something we'll uh, we'll have up on our uh, Facebook page, so you can check that out if you don't want to go Google it or anything. So, but uh, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did get a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie, like a like a true reboot? We talked about this before we went on the air um, last week. I think I mentioned Freddy, and I said something along the lines like, "Could you imagine?" Uh, like it'd be like a woman playing Freddy, <laughs> whatever the hell I was slurring, and and then we got on the topic like that could be cool, and that goes back to something we talked about, I believe, on episode one or two. It was one of uh, those first ones. Yeah, it was an early Proton Pack podcast. Podcast. And and <laughs> it was just called the podcast. Like it was not the podcast anymore. It's the Proton Pack podcast. We're not so even to say. from. We're not even remotely close to the Boston area, but no. uh, I don't know. It seems to come out that way. It does. Um, but we we discussed that uh, Robert England had pitched a really cool idea of rebooting it, but from the view of each teenager sees Freddy in a different light, and I think that would be such a unique and cool tale on it, man. I I hope that this episode sparks some interest in. You know, we can go back and revisit. And, and you got to have Robert England involved. I mean, obviously, Wes Craven's not around no more. But uh, no one understands Freddy better than the man who made Freddy. So. Well, and not only that, what might be a, a good catalyst, not only this episode, but, you know, you've got the new Halloween coming out. And uh, that returns uh, Jamie Lee Curtis back to the role uh, that she basically made so iconic and that um, John Carpenter is involved not as the director, he's a producer, but he's also scoring the movie as well. If that movie does well, and I saw projections saying that opening weekend it should do 50 to 60 million, then I would expect to see probably some revivals of, uh, you know, those horror movies that we grew up with. Yeah, well, we'll get closer when that comes. I'm sure we'll have a movie review on Halloween, but uh, I like the fact that it's just called Halloween, so... It's not really a reboot. It's definitely a sequel. I don't know. It's just a cool take on it. It's it looks creepy, man. It looks good. 
Looks good. I'm excited. And I enjoyed the Rob Zombie ones, but, uh, you know, again, this is, this harkens back to the original, uh, was it, uh, 1980, 1979 that the first one came out? But, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as the, um, spoiler alert, uh, sister of Michael Myers. <laughs> All right. Uh, putting that aside, uh, you know, we're still talking about television, uh, horror television to be uh, specific. One of the things uh, that was announced a little while back, and we're just now starting to get a te- teasers for it and uh, getting some more information, um, just to give you a little side story leading up to it. One of my favorite things on Thanksgiving every year was getting up and watching the Twilight Zone Marathon. And uh, one of the, any of the channels um, had just back to back to back. And then we'd watch the football games, and between football games, I'd switch back to Twilight Zone, and then after the football games, go back to Twilight Zone again. Uh, even though it was way before my time, I loved the stories, I loved the characters, I loved the twists that they threw in there. And uh, Rod Serling uh, certainly created a masterpiece of a show when it came out. So with all that being said, Twilight Zone is coming back. It's going to be on CBS All Access, and the person who is uh, fronting it, or who is uh, basically the showrunner, and uh, looks like he's also going to be the host and narrator, so taking over sort of that Rod Serling duty, is Jordan Peele. And, uh, you know, if you had said five years ago, yeah, Jordan Peele's making a new Twilight Zone, uh, I would have laughed you right out. But uh, if you ever had a chance to watch his movie Get Out, uh, which was fantastic, uh, you'll get the sense that this Twilight Zone uh, reboot will, it's in the right hands. I'd actually never seen Get Out. I wanted to. Looks looks awesome. I'm gonna probably watch it now after this discussion. Not today, but you know, at some um, point. at some point soon. But the Twilight Zone, man, that was always. I remember watching it at my grandma's house growing up on CBS, and it was it was a neat show. Um, this one, I, I kind of hope they keep it in black and white, just for that whole. Maybe not every episode, but some of it. Because the intro, like the little teaser trailers, definitely, uh, you know, it's it's got that right feel for it, for sure. Yeah, and the teaser itself is basically the opening of the original series. Uh, it does keep it in black and white, uh, at least for that portion of it. Um, but you can see it's been updated and that, uh, you know, sort of builds that excitement for when it comes out. Uh, now, looking at the article, it looks like uh, at least the first season will be 10 episodes long. Uh, it'll premiere sometime in 2019. Uh, we don't have a uh, exact date on that, but uh, it's definitely something, if you were a fan of the original series, yeah, it's something to check out. Now, is it gonna is it gonna actually be on CBS or just the CBS streaming app? Just CBS All Access, just the streaming. Okay, gotcha. So another app you gotta get, man. <laughs> which, yeah. which you know, I, I'll check it out for sure. Why not? Well, and CBS All Access is coming out with more and more series. Um, again, if you are a Star Trek fan, that's probably the main reason to get that streaming service right now. But as they move forward, as they add uh, 
you know, more properties and Twilight Zone being one of those. Um, for me, it'll make it more sense to uh, actually pick up that streaming service. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had CBS All Access just so I could watch the latest episodes of Big Bang Theory because I don't, you know, if if you're not home on a Monday night when it airs, you know, you can't watch it on demand. It's not one of those shows they allow, so. Exactly. Uh, one of the uh, interesting things I was thinking about the other day is, you know, as more and more networks and, and streaming services come out, you know, we already talked about Disney Play. We talked about DC Universe. Uh, now we're talking about CBS All Access. It's more and more of a reason to cut the cord. And if you think about it, okay, you've got three uh, streaming services there. You know, you add in Netflix, you add in um, maybe Hulu, uh, HBO, um, Amazon, and hell, you could even add one more in, and you're paying about 80 bucks a month, which if you're getting cable right now, you're easily paying that, if not more. And uh, there's definitely more and better content with doing it that way. Uh, the only downside I see is that uh, it sort of limits your ability to watch uh, some sports, but uh, they've got streaming services for that, too. Yeah, I mean, with ESPN, like you said, it's cables getting harder. I mean, they got to get more innovative. I mean, because realistically, when you have cable, they give you all these channels that you don't watch. And you're just like, I don't, I'm never going to watch that stuff. At least with content that you want to watch, you have the options. Like you can go back and watch past seasons. And, you know, for somebody like myself that collects Blu-rays and TV show collections of like shows I love, it's, Nowadays, everything seems to be on a streaming service where it's like, eh, do I really even need to own that? I mean, I could just turn on any device and watch it at this point, which what a great what a great world we live in with technology nowadays. But yeah, uh, but it is a whole other one. It starts to add up. It's really pick your poison. What, what services do you want? DC, Disney, because when Disney comes out, I'm adding that to my collection. I mean, it'll be worth wanna, it. Yeah, like. For for me, who works weird hours and everything, uh, which is why we record at weird different times, it's never the same. Um, that's why uh, I have Hulu, so I can catch up on all the uh, like the Gotham's and the the Gifted, Simpsons, things like that. And they've got yeah. great original content too. Um, oh, I know absolutely. You, I know you haven't got into The Handmaid's Tale, but uh, you know that's a great <laughs> show. I have not watched it. No, I uh, this this one of my friends. I I doubt she listens to the show. She, um, but she watched it and she was into it. But then she was like, "Oh, it's too dirty for me. It's a little risque <laughs> for her." So I was kind of like, "There must be a lot of sex or something in it." Yeah, but it's it's weird sex. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll just leave just it gonna, at that. Yeah, I was gonna go like in a different way with that, but I'm just gonna not. Say anything and just laugh awkwardly. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, it's, it's a good uh, character show. Um, you know, it's not exactly fast-paced, but if you love uh, diving deep into character development, that's definitely a good show to watch. All right, well, I'm going to take it from you. Your choices in shows and movies are pretty much spot on. So, um, I like well, especially... I do too. Well, for people that listen to this podcast and everything, I think they feel the same for the most part. They might not agree with everything, but that's okay. 
That's all right. That's all right. All right. So uh, that does it for television. Uh, let's go into movies. And uh, one of the things we started doing a couple weeks back, we didn't do it last week because uh, I think when we were recording, it was like a Friday. Didn't make sense to. But uh, we are going to review the weekend box office. Weekend box office report with Tony and Chris on the Proton Pack. Podcast because we review everything for you. <laughs> All right. So uh, over the weekend, uh, you had a couple movies that uh, debuted and uh, debuted. Debuted um, with the big one, and the number one of the weekend was the house with a clock in its walls. Uh, it is director Eli Roth's biggest opening to date with 26.8 million. Uh, it's definitely a departure from what he's used to doing. Um, yeah, it's no it, hostile, man. Exactly. If you don't recognize the name, Eli Roth, Roth uh, directed Hostel, uh, Hostel 2, obviously. Uh, let's see. He had Death Wish last week, uh, last year. Um, oh, I, I didn't know he did that one. I liked that movie. Did. Uh, actually it was March. It was this year. Wow. Um, boy, two projects in one year. Anyway, as a horror director, I, I think he's very good. Uh, he does more of the uh, gore horror as opposed to the scary horror, but that's a complete departure from The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which is aimed more at uh, the Harry Potter crowd. And uh, it looks good. Harry Potter? I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but uh, I know my kids are uh, excited to see it. In fact, uh, they're reading the book right now. Oh. Yeah, I like Jack Black. I like Eli Roth. Maybe I'll see it. It doesn't really, like you said, it doesn't pull like something I really wanted to go see. But uh, you never know. Yeah, wait till it hits Netflix. There you go, Netflix. By the way, today's episode is not, but should be sponsored by Diet Dr Pepper and Netflix. <laughs> it's the sweet one. It's the sweet one. <laughs> All right. Uh, the number two movie over the weekend was A Simple Favor with uh, Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, a uh, uh, Lively, Lively uh, Blake Lively, uh, an R-rated uh, psychological thriller. Is that what you would call it, Tom? Yeah, it it was it was okay. I saw it yesterday. It was uh, a little long in the tooth. It was like. It, it, it was a good story. I, this is definitely a Netflix uh, Netflix and chill movie, not a theater one. Now, what did you think, knowing the fact that it was directed by Paul Feig, who did uh, the most recent Ghostbusters update, he did Bridesmaids, is really known more as a comedy director. Um, what did you think in that respect? Uh, it had a lot of dark comedy to it. Like, it had funny stuff. Like, I found myself chuckling. I think the way he wrote Anna Kendrick's character... How she's just so bubbly and positive and so nice. Like, I thought he did a great job with that. So you, it had its humor where it wasn't over the top. Blake Lively played a real good stuck-up bitch, like, where no one liked her. I mean, she did well with that. Um, but uh, I think where he went wrong with the movie, in my opinion, um, he did, it's like he couldn't pick an ending. Every time you felt like the movie ended, you're like, oh, okay, that was a good twist. And then it would twist again. It would really undo the previous twist. <laughs> and then it would do it again. And it made no sense at that point. It was kind of like, are you just dragging this on? Like, I, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that wants to go see it. But 
that's just kind of how I felt at the end. That's why I say it's a little long in the tooth. I thought for a, for a movie like that could have been shorter and you could have eliminated like the five different twists at the end. So when you think it's over, it's not really over. <laughs> not until the credits some, roll. Yeah, they just find a way to mess it up. It's kind of like, oh, that's a good ending. Yeah, just kidding. Maybe we should try this ending. Like maybe like like Wayne's World that <laughs> like makes it better say. with the let's do the Scooby Doo and it was kind of like that and it's like but it wasn't funny. It was just like who's uh, playing who? Like it is definitely not one of those movies. I don't think you're gonna be uh, where you're gonna be like, yep, I know who did it. You might, but then they twist it seven different times. So yeah, they did it in one of those seven terms. But I don't know. I thought. It was definitely a, a different Paul Feige movie. Um, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it maybe a little more than Ghostbusters. Maybe. <laughs> I it's would not say saying a lot. I am. Yeah. Uh, no, his movie end. for me was definitely uh, Bridesmaids was great. Um, mm-hmm. The humor in that. And then obviously the humor in the heat was good. And there was no Melissa McCarthy to be had in this movie, just FYI. She did not exist. So. Probably a good thing. Now, at the end, did somebody come out and be like, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids? Yeah. Oh, you know what? There's two, like, dark things that made me laugh. And it would have been funny if they did that. They didn't. But there was a scene where the little kid in the movie, he dropped, I can't say it this week because I'm sober, and I don't want to get us slapped with the bad one, but he gets mad at Andrew Ken- Anna Kendrick's character, and he's like, yeah, and then he beat, and then he, then he pummels like her son, but like in a in such a little kid way, it doesn't even look like it looked like wrestling. It looked like he was pretending to hit him, and it was just weird. But uh, yeah, so long rant. Uh, Netflix simple favor number two movie. All right, uh, number three movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> number three movie was The Nun, uh, as we talked about uh, early on uh, a couple weeks ago. The Nun is a spinoff from the Conjuring series. Um, I want to see it. Haven't had a chance to see it. From what I've heard, it is, um, you know, it's it's got some good jump scares, but, uh, you know, it, it's nothing special. Gotcha. I was just about to ask you if you'd seen it. So no, answers, no. answers my question. I'm going to probably wait. Uh, the number four movie this week, which was number one last week, and uh, we're actually going to get a special review from Juan Pablo on this, was The he Predator. He is in the house today. And yeah. uh, that's definitely a movie that I want to see. Uh, again, I haven't had much time to go out to the theater, but uh, if I were to go out right now, that's the one I would put my money down for. Uh, Shane Black is the director. Um, if you don't recognize the name, he was the director of Iron Man 3, and he was actually a, a actor or character in the original Predator as well. We'll have to see what Juan takes. Now, I did see this movie. I'll wait till Juan does his review on it, but... Uh, um, I went and saw it last Sunday night, and uh, I'll share my feelings as well after. All right. If uh, anybody cares. <laughs> in fifth place, uh, hanging on into the top ten is Crazy Rich Asians, uh, oh, followed man, by... Man, just by. <laughs> everything I've heard is actually that it's a pretty good movie, but not exactly my cup of tea. Maybe, uh, you know, take the girlfriend to uh, see it or wait till it comes out on Netflix, and we'll watch it then. Uh, let's see. Sixth place was White Boy Rick with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, again, that's all one right, of those movies. All right, all right. 
that for me, you kind of have to be in the mood for, uh, but I'll, I'll see it on Netflix. Uh, one I did want to see in the theater, uh, which was number seven this week, was Peppermint, and I know you saw that, enjoyed it. Yes, Peppermint was great. Uh, good action flick. Jennifer Garner's a badass. Uh, 110% thought it was great. Um, also, my cousin saw White Boy Rick, and she said it sucked. Oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, we're all, this is all opinion, but I'm with you, Netflix. But if you go, if you want to see a date night, you better skip that crazy rich Asians and go see Peppermint. (laughs) The the perfect romantic movie. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Uh, In eighth place was the Michael Moore documentary Fahrenheit 11.9. Really no desire to see that. I, I've seen a couple of his previous ones and they do not a whole lot for me. Uh, in ninth place was The Meg with Jason Statham. Uh, that movie just doesn't die either. Nope. It's hanging in there. And then finally rounding out the top ten was Searching, uh, which I've heard actually some really positive things about. And I think good you thing. saw it, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Great movie. That was a good psychological twist. Like, the uh, Simple Favor tried to be like this little twisty movie, like Searching was, that was good. Really good movie. Really, really well done by um, John Chow. Cho? John Cho. Cho. John Cho. I, well, Her- I didn't want to call him. Harold. Harold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's such a MILF. MILF, MILF. <laughs> Anyway, so that rounds out uh, the top ten of the weekend box office. Now, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, The Predator. And, Tony, if you want to go grab uh, Juan Pablo, I'll go ahead and set it up. Uh, The Predator is one of those movies that, uh, again, sort of hearkening back to the early 80s, uh, was a huge fan of the original Predator, Predator 2. Uh, Predator versus Alien, probably more hype, excitement than uh, what was worth in uh, the movies themselves. And then uh, a couple years back, we got Predators, which uh, in its own right was was a pretty decent Predator movie. Um, but now we have come back to uh, sort of the original as a, uh-oh, Predators there. Uh, so we have Shane Black's The Predator, which uh, debuted last week on Friday. And, uh, well, let's bring him in. Juan Pablo, what did you think? Juan Pablo? He's having stage. <laughs> he's, he's doing something. What are you doing over there, Juan? You, you're on the air. You, you have to come over here. He sort of does his own thing, but... Uh, God, I, we we set aside this whole segment for him, and uh, yeah, like, are you are you gonna say anything? I mean, he was gonna do something, but apparently that is not going to happen. Oh, there he is. Okay, one, right. step up, put put your headset on right there. Yep, yep. Okay. Ah, uh, hello, Dale. This is Juan Pablo. Hey, Juan uh, Pablo. Hi, Christian. Uh, thanks for having me. Hi, Tony. How are you? Uh, I'm good, bud. Uh, it's time to do your review. Remember, we discussed this. Oh, I know. No big deal. No big deal. I'm ready. Sorry. Uh, been a minute, peeps. What's up? Uh, yeah, so the, the Tony and the Chris, 
Uh, they asked me to come on to the Proton Pack Podcast, brought to you not by Diet Dr. Pepper, the sweet one. Oh, I like to aspartame. Uh, no, so I go and I see this movie, and I thought, like, it'd be... Arnold, I thought it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger be back because he said he'd be back, but then I remember that the Terminator man, not not Predator, no big deal. Uh, so what I did is I go and I see the Predator, and then this movie start out with this like '80s movie. It was like the original movie with the real '80s ambiance music, really same. You think it's gonna take place in the jungle? Welcome to the jungle, baby! But it did not. It took place in modern day, and what happened is this army crew, they go and they find this alien craft, and then he crashes into the mountains, and then he's going to get caught, so he sends this alien device through the mail, and then this little autistic kid finds the little device in the box, and then he'd be flying a spaceship around some town or something, man, and he'd be like, pew, 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 and then... The big alien come to Earth to look for the riddle alien or the predator, sorry. Alien versus predator. I get confused from my country. I just know I don't know sometimes. Anyways, I like to ramble a lot. But the predator, when he come down, he get it on, man. Then he has two dogs and they run around. It's very crazy. Uh, and then what happens is he's a knock. And then the big predator wants to take out the knock. What's up with that? Uh, but I know that's you didn't want me to come spoil the movie. But what I tell you is Juan Pablo enjoyed the predator a lot. Very good action. Pretty good story. Cheesy acting. About as good as my radio personality skills. But I have the sexy white teeth. But I would say definitely go see the predator by Shane Black. Because if you don't, Mac... You're going to have to see it on Netflix. Also not the sponsor of the Proton Pack podcast. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to you because I have to go to the bathroom. Uh, thank you very much. This is Juan Pablo back in action telling you all about the movie The Predator. Go see it now, chumps. Later, Gators. See you, Juan. Wow, he's freaking amped up today. Yeah, yeah. He must really like that movie. Wow. Okay, so I did see it too. I did not go see it with one, but uh, oh, I could only imagine uh, what that would have been like. No, jeez, he wanted. I thought he was gonna spoil the whole damn movie. I was like, I, dude, <laughs> shut! I'm kicking his foot. I'm like, shut up, dude. You can't. You can't tell everybody. Why tell everyone the movie? They wanted them to just go see it. Just come on, do your sexy white teeth line. Oh, he's flipping me off now. <laughs> yeah, you too, buddy. Um, no, I saw it, man, and it. It, it was great. It definitely had a throwback, a lot of throwbacks to the original. They referenced uh, 1987 when the first one came out. And then they referenced 1999, but that being when um, Predator 2 took place, even though that came out in the early 90s. Because remember, that's how they used to do the future. The future was like in the late 90s. I forgot that that was supposed to take place in the future, even though... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though we were we were little kids and it was still like I think it was early nineties or late eighties. I remember my my mom kinda wigged out when I watched Predator too because that scene like right before the Predator he's up on the building in Los Angeles and that black lady's having sex and you saw oh, some that's right. <laughs> you saw some chichi chichis and oh you know, yeah, mom wasn't having any of that apparently. I was like, Hey, I didn't make the movie. 
<laughs> but uh, they do reference uh, 87 and 99. They, do, they make no references to the uh, Aliens franchise or uh, Predators uh, with Topher Grace. They don't, they don't mention any of that stuff. Um, really cool story without spoiling it. Um, Juan pretty much did if you understood what he said. Hey, um, at least At least he set it up well. Yeah, so this one's got it's got a unique take. It does not take place to the jungle, and they do even say get to the chopper, but not in a good way. It wasn't. Uh, I was trying to find the sound bite before Juan came on to do the get to the chopper to set it up, but I couldn't get it to play. But uh, get to the chapel. It, uh, there was no there was no Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, but in a nutshell, bullet points: uh, the Predator was fun, action packed. Horrible acting. The acting is top-notch cheese. Um, the kid is awful. Like he's the main part, and uh, it, it the acting is pretty cheesy. And it's funny because we talked about Jordan Peele, um, how he is bringing back the Twilight Zone. Well, K, you know, uh, is it K Ke- Peele? Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael. So Key and Peele. Okay, so yeah. Keegan Michael Key is in the movie, and he's got good comedy relief for sure in it. I heard um, he's one of the best parts of the movie. He is great. Uh, if you're a fan of the franchise, you're going to love it. If you're a girl, you are going to hate it. You, you just will. It's a guy <laughs> movie. It really is. And I'm not being, let's quote something last week, old PC. But, uh, no, very enjoyable movie. It, I, I liked it. I mean, it definitely... I don't want to spoil. Just go see it. Good flick. All right. All right. Good review, uh, Tony and uh, Juan Pablo. Uh, I definitely want to go out and see it, but uh, I got to find the time to do so. Well, if you're if you weren't doing the Proton Pack podcast and promoting your wonderful organization, Rough Riders, look them up. You can always use the show to pimp your other. Yeah, it's for a good cause. It's true. It's true. I I always feel a little bit bad, uh, you know, cross promoting, but uh, at the same time, hell, why not? Cross promote it, baby. Gets <laughs> it out there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, all right, that was the uh, Predator review, and uh, I wonder what's coming. Is there, like, anything else that's coming out this week? I mean, I kind of feel like we're in that weird lull where it's not really a lot. Ah, God, I'm trying to think, because what else is coming out in October? Uh, When does Aquaman come out? Is that November? It's November, yeah, and then we've got... uh, We've got uh, Wreck-It... Well, Wreck-It Ralph 2 will... Ralph wrecks the internet or whatever the hell it's called <laughs> or breaks the internet. That's what that look, looks awesome. I'm looking you know, forward to that one. Oh, I am too. Um, I don't feel like there's a whole lot. I'm going to look really quick while we're kind of discussing that. Um, I know for the rest of the year, wreck it Ralph is definitely the big one I want to see. Um, but as far as big movies, let's see in October, you have that lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper movie. The star is born. Oh, venom. How do we think that a Venom right. come out? Yeah. It opens at the same time as a Star is Born. So that's kind of stupid. And and the reason why I say that is most women I've talked to, they they really want to see a Star is Born, you know, because it looks good, like, for a date movie, for sure. You know, well, I like Bradley Cooper, and I think Lady Gaga will fit in with that. But uh, you're opening up against Venom. Like, 
I don't know. Like Venom could have picked a different week, or Stars Born could have picked a different week. I don't know. I don't Either know. way, I, I look at it this way: that uh, if, say, me and my girlfriend go to the movies, she doesn't really want to see Venom. I could wait to see A Star Is Born. We just kind of go our separate ways. Let her go see that. I'll go see Venom, and uh, all is right with the world. I like it. Yeah, and then other big October movies was last week um, when I listened back to the podcast. Um, you're like, oh, there's that movie with John Hamm when we were discussing him. And you're like, something at the El Bad, Royale. Yeah. Bad times at the El Royale. Because I like was listening and I go, come on, Tony, tell him. You know it. But Tony wasn't there last week. So, And then you have Halloween that actually comes out right before Halloween. And then for some reason we're getting a Johnny English sequel. Uh, <laughs> I've never been a big Rowan Atkinson fan. I just haven't. I don't know. I enjoyed the first one. I won't go to the theater to see it, but... Uh... <laughs> he's coming out. I uh, Shout out to uh, listener Mike Yendra. He's a, he's a, he's a definitely a Mr. Bean kind of dude. He, so he might be like, I like Johnny English, and I'm just giving you the shout out and saying, eh, I don't like Johnny English. I'll be skipping. But <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, he just messaged me. I know. Thumbs down me, yeah. No, he did not. So, yeah, so there are some big movies coming out in October, and then... Uh, you know, maybe next week uh, we'll have a – I think I have a magazine with a fall movie preview with everything, but uh, uh, you have in November is kind of quiet for the most part too. Bohemian Rhapsody, The Nutcracker, The Grinch, The Girl in the Spider Web, uh, Fantastic Beasts, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and that's about it for November. Well, the nice thing is it's not movie overload. I mean, with – Sort of those selections, you can go out and watch one movie a week, and they'll be perfectly okay. It's not like where you have to choose during the middle of the summer, you know, do I see this or do I see that? Yes. Oh, this will actually be a good segue to what we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, but in December, you have uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mary Poppins returns. And, then, and those are each different weeks, and then you have... Uh, the 21st, where you have Aquaman versus Bumblebee. Ah, very like nice. Like that? Yeah, the Christmas weekend movies, they have a ton of them. You have Welcome to Marwin, that weird one with Steve Carell, uh-huh. where he dreams he's an action figure, or he lives life as an action figure. Um, Alita, the Battle Angel movie that's been delayed for God knows how long. <laughs> um, then you have Bumblebee and Aquaman, so... Uh, yeah, so there are some, there's still some pretty big movies coming out by the end of the year. Always a good time to be uh, a movie fan, for sure. No Star Wars movie coming out this December? No Star Wars movie. I wonder why that is. <laughs> that actually... I wonder, is that, is, is, I think something's coming. Yeah, yeah, alludes to something we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, in any case, uh, so... Moving on from what's coming out this year to what's coming out next year, uh, it was just announced a few days ago that uh, we are going to be getting a third Kingsman movie uh, with Matthew Vaughn returning to direct. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of the first Kingsman. Uh, Kingsman 2 was a fun ride. I didn't like it as much as the first one, uh, but 
you know, they're, they're fun movies and it'll be interesting to see what, uh, Matthew Vaughn does with this third one, which as far as I could tell from what I was reading, it looks like it's going to be a, a conclusion. So it's going to be a true chill- trilogy to the, uh, Harry Hart, uh, Eggsy relationship. Perfect. I'm with you. I really, really liked the first one. The second one was good. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it, but I'm with you. The first one was better. And I couldn't put my finger on, you know, what it is that makes the second one uh, not as good. Um, I mean, it had some great action sequences, had uh, some great dialogue. Uh, maybe it was uh, Elton John trying to act, which was uh, abysmal, but uh, who knows? <laughs> the bitch is back. I don't know why I did it like that voice. Like, was that a shaggy You sounded voice? like Grover. <laughs> I wouldn't even try to sound like Grover. I'm John. The bitch is back. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny we're talking about, and I'm stoked to have a, a conclu- uh, another Kingsman because I really enjoyed those movies. Um, you know which movie? When I went and saw Simple Favor yesterday, there was a trailer, and uh, my date... She wasn't too keen on this movie, but I don't know if she saw if she saw the Kingsman. But uh, Robin Hood is—they uh, showed the trailer for Robin Hood with Jamie Fox and um, Taron Egerton. Egerton as the uh, main one, and it it, it kind of had the uh, vibe of a of a Kingsman just set with Robin Hood, and I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the trailers for it. Um, it, it I have sort of split feelings like, uh, you know, the action looks good, but at the same time, the movie itself looks a little too shiny and polished for a, uh, for a Robin Hood movie. You know, it looks very clean as opposed to, you know, you go back to Prince of Thieves, um, or even the, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, Australian actor Russell Crowe, uh, version of Robin Hood, uh, or when it was just Hood. Exactly, which was very gritty. But who knows? You know, I'll check it out, and maybe it'll change my mind. Yeah, no Brian Adams either, man. <laughs> Everything I do, I do it for you, part two. Now, the other thing that uh, is sort of interesting, speaking of Taron Egerton and Elton John, is uh, Taron Egerton is starring as Elton John in the Elton John biopic. And uh, I enjoy Elton John's music. Uh, I grew up with classic rock, rock metal, uh, you name it. Crocodile rock. <laughs> la, 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 la. But uh, Taron Egerton, he's a, a great singer. I think he'll play the role very well. And, uh, you know, if it's anywhere in the vein of the upcoming Bohemian Rhapsody, um, it could be a good movie. I'm stoked for that movie. I don't know why. It just looks freaking good. It, it does look good. Appreciate the queen. You gotta. You gotta. All right. Uh, what are we talking Oh, Whoa. So, <laughs> fell off a little off track there with your little Robin Hood. <laughs> so uh, that movie's coming out in November. Uh, another long-awaited sequel that uh, we're looking forward to and coming out in October of next year is Zombieland 2. 
And uh, you've got everybody coming back to that movie. You've got Brett Reese and Paul Wernick, uh, the original writers. Um, if you don't recognize those names, they also wrote uh, Deadpool and Deadpool 2. You have Ruben Fleischer, who uh, will most recently be directing the Venom movie, is directing Zombieland 2. And you get the main actors. You get Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin back. And uh, I loved the hell out of Zombieland 1, especially the Bill Murray cameo. Oh, Zombieland's one of the best. I mean, for me, the minute they started with For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica for the intro, <laughs> I was like, I love this movie. Like, who does that? Who starts with, who gets Metallica's permission to do that and then does that? Um, but the movie itself was just original, well done, and I am excited. Well, well I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this actually in a sober term and not drunk and overuse it. I'm pumped. I'm super stoked for this movie. <laughs> yeah, the plus, first one. Plus my girl Emma Stone's in it. Exactly. Good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the first one had a, a unique style all to itself. Uh, it did a great job of sort of melding the comedy with the uh, zombie horror. And uh, it was just a fun movie from beginning to end. Yeah, it was an enjoyable, very enjoyable movie. Um, hopefully it does it well. I know sometimes when movies take a you got those long gaps between sequels, sometimes it loses the magic. But I got a good feeling about this one. Well, and the fact that the entire creative team is coming back, I think it's going to be in good hands. I agree with you. <laughs> Just don't do like Dumb and Dumber, like where they waited so long, and then when you finally got the Dumb and Dumber sequel with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, you're like, all right, this is going to be excellent. And then it was just okay. Well, and part of that was the expectation. You know, you waited so long, you thought it was going to be as good as the original. And while it was good and had some really funny moments, uh, expectation outweighed the uh, the result. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I actually couldn't quote you anything from the second movie. First movie, no. sure. Second one, I who knows? First I one was quotable as hell. Oh, wasn't it to this day? Still do that. Side little uh, or uh, weird little side rant. Um, I was hanging out with my boys over the weekend. They're six and nine. And uh, we were flipping through the channels, and uh, Ace Ventura 2 was on. And it was the part where uh, Jim Bumblebee Car Tuna. <laughs> where he's trapped in the rhino. And uh, I, just oh. had, I just had to stop and show that to the boys because they were cracking up. Well, I, I, I imagine they, well, every kid loves poop, like poop stuff or anything. If it's a fart or it comes out of a butt or it's, it's always funny. It's, it's hilarious. And that scene alone was just classic. I forgot all about it up until now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They enjoyed the hell out of it. And, uh, at some point I'll show them the whole movie. It's hard to go into the, you know, middle of the movie and then try and explain everything to them. So we turned it off at that point, but they got a kick out of that scene. I'm glad you showed him that scene and not the Bumblebee tuna one. <laughs> All that, right. Or that weird masturbating scene. Yeah. Like as a kid, I'm like, what's he doing? And then as I got older, I'm like, oh, probably shouldn't watch that. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I did too up until today. Jeez Louise. All right, uh, another movie that uh, Tony talked about a little bit earlier coming out uh, in uh, December, 
December, December was, or not was, is uh, Bumblebee. And so Bumblebee is basically a prequel to the Michael Bay Transformer movies. Now, we've talked about it before, and, uh, I've, you know, Tony knows that uh, not only am I a huge Transformers fan, I've got a sort of love-hate relationship to the uh, Michael Bay Transformers movies. Uh, some of them are decent. Others are total crap. And uh, it, it seems like they sort of go back and forth between, you know, the first one was was pretty good. The second one was terrible. The third one was pretty good. Fourth one was terrible. Fifth one was pretty good. Sixth one was terrible. Um, and from the beginning, it's I think my biggest concern was just Michael Bay's treatment of the characters, how they made them look. Uh, they were concerned more with, uh, you know, the, the human characters that uh, were very sort of um, shallowly written and uh, with the way everything looked. With all of that being said, uh, Bumblebee, who is not directed by um, Michael Bay, thank God, looks to be a little bit of a homage to the original G1 Transformers while still keeping a little bit of that Michael Bayverse. Um, in this movie, Bumblebee is going to be the original yellow uh, Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle, uh, which is great. His robot mode looks a little bit more simple, doesn't look uh, all, uh, you know, Michael Bayed out, if you will. And uh, so we have the teaser trailer that came out about a month ago, which was exciting enough, but uh, didn't really get me stoked on it. Uh, now we've gotten the official trailer number two, which I'm in. I'm all in. I'm excited. There are scenes where uh, it shows them back in Cybertron. Uh, you've got uh, Optimus Prime in his G1 look. You've got, uh, showed a quick clip of Shockwave in his G1 look. And then the thing that really excited me was Soundwave with Ravage, uh, jumping out of his chest. And, uh, that just hands down got me on board. Yeah, me too. Once I saw the, the whole trailer and not just the teaser, cause the initial one I was thinking too, I go, okay, well, I know Michael Bay's not directing it, but man, it still kind of feels like a Michael Bay type movie. Do we really need Bumblebee's story? But after seeing this one, seeing some throwback, um, I I think we might have a good, you know, I I love the fact that he's, you get to see um, Bumblebee back as just the Volkswagen bug to kind of throw back to the first Transformers when uh, Sam Witwicky found the the you know Bumblebee the like that. <laughs> yeah, before before he turned into the Camaro. Remember, it was well, he was he the was, old. Well, he was. Yeah, he drove by the Camaro. Oh, that's right. You're right. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You he was the, the old Camaro, and it said Biatch. Yeah. Had the little B, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you remember that movie, uh, I think he opened the door into a yellow um, beetle as sort of a knock against uh, the old G1 throwback. But uh, it looks like at least the creative team has – is headed in the right direction as far as, um, you know, going back to what the fans love in the G1 series. And uh, 
you know, I know Michael Bay is stepping away from the Transformers series. Hopefully with this, they move in the right direction to righting the wrongs of uh, what Michael Bay did. Oh, absolutely. Um, and this, this kind of goes with something we're going to talk about in a little while is I kind of felt for a minute that they were kind of overkilling with the Transformers, like rushing the sequels. I always felt like I was super excited to see the first one. And then the second one came out and you're like, Oh, this is great. But then all of a sudden you had three, four and five, like it just kind of happened. And when you changed the main cast, it, it was, I don't know. It got a little weird towards the end for me. <laughs> I don't know if you felt the same or not, but. I did, and like I said, you know, it was every other one, you know, was passable, I guess would be the best way to to do, you know, say it, whereas like two, four, and uh, six were were just bad. They felt rushed. Um, you know, the storylines were terrible. Uh, every movie revolved around a uh, MacGuffin. When, for those of you that don't know what a MacGuffin is, it is a... Um, artifact or, or something in a movie that um, is the center point of the plot. And every single movie had its own different little MacGuffin. And uh, it just felt overused. I agree. Everything. We have to find this. The all <laughs> spark. <laughs> we have to get it before the Decepticons do. Yeah, this is like this. They were always chasing the same thing every time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, if you're a fan of Transformers, if you were sort of disillusioned by the uh, Bayverse uh, movies, uh, we're, we'll put the trailer up of Bumblebee uh, and check it out. You know, there were some definite points in there, especially the scenes on Cybertron, that got me excited. Yes, trailer is up now on the Proton Pack podcast uh, Facebook page as we speak. Perfect. I'm trying to stand, I'm trying to stand on top of this, this today. I mean, not the Instagram page, but, uh, but for the video sharing, everything we've talked about so far is, uh, you, you'll go, you'll be able to watch the trailers up on our page. That works. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving from Transformers over to DC movies. Uh, Transformers. Uh, one of the movies we've talked about uh, quite a bit in the last few weeks is the upcoming, up, <laughs> upcoming, upcoming, upcoming standalone Joker movie, which everything that we've been hearing about it coming out really hasn't excited me. Uh, it's directed by Todd Phillips, best known for uh, uh, Wedding Crashers and uh, uh, The Hangover. You know, he's supposed to be directing this, Road trip. <laughs> this dark uh, take on the Joker. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. It's an origin story, which... Again, the whole point of the Joker is that nobody really knows what his origin is. Uh, he's crazy. He makes stuff up. Uh, whereas this one is a pure plot point of where he came from and how he became the Joker. Not super excited. Uh, I guess the only redeeming thing about this movie is that it's produced by Martin Scorsese, which, uh, you know, he's got some, some good credits under his belt. Uh, but we will see. With all of that being said, we got, over this last week, our first look as Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker makeup, uh, which started out as a teaser, you know, him with uh, out the makeup on, and then it sort of 
cut back and forth uh, to him with the makeup, and uh, I'm I'm still not sold on it. I don't know what you think, Tone. No, he just looks like a clown. That's that's all he looks like to me. Like I'm Arthur, and they say um, it takes basically if you want to kind of see how this movie's going to set up and play out. There was a, was it a Scorsese movie in the '80s? Um, late. Oh, gosh, I don't have my notes in front of me for the Joker one. But uh, they said you need to watch this 80s movie. It's like uh, the king of – it's a comedy. Well, it's about a comedian. Okay. And um, and I'll get the answer for you of what that is. But basically they say they're, they're, they're drawing heavy influence from that movie to get a feel of who uh, of who Arthur is. Um, so he's going to play Arthur Fleck. And how he becomes the Joker, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Just, I'm not sold yet. I'm not saying I won't see it, but like I've already seen some of the set videos of him coming out in the old school, um, purple and green. And they say he's trying to be like, uh, the original Joker from the TV show. Right. The Cesar Romero look. And, uh, I mean, and again, we'll post the uh, set video. Uh, you know, obviously it's not a production video. It's, you know, just somebody set. filmed it. Yeah. Exactly. Him coming out of a subway, uh, car. Um, but the, the suit, the outfit, uh, definitely is reminis- reminiscent of the Cesar Romero, uh, 1966 Batman. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very not. I don't even have words to describe that <laughs> I'm sort of disappointed with everything that's come out so far. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm looking like there's a as I'm getting ready to put this video up, I'm on YouTube and they have a picture. It says the top 10 actors that could play the new Joker. They've got a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio from Django Unchained. Or Django, wow. Django <laughs> Unchained, you know, like where he was the racist white. And it's just the way he's grinning and got the look, and then they have a Joker picture right next to him. That would, I could get down with behind that, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure this goes back to when you take an iconic character like the Joker, you have your idea in mind of who you would do or who would would play it. And uh, same with me. And so far, I've, now that I've seen his look and everything, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm very reserved on the whole thing. And it goes back to our discussion that, uh, you know, the DC movie universe is just in a state of disarray, that this movie has no tie-in to the overall DC universe. It's a standalone, um, you know, they're, they're currently working on a Harley Quinn and Joker movie with uh, Jared Leto and Margot Robbie, and it, it, it just doesn't fit what, you know, you, you think they should be doing, you know, either make every movie a standalone movie or make it an inclusive universe, but don't try to do a little bit of everything and see what sticks. Yeah. It's now I'm even looking at the set video right before I posted on our Facebook page. And, um, it's, uh, I, the look of it's just lame. I don't don't know. I'm, I'm saying it looks lame. I could be wrong when it comes out, but so far, um, I, I don't know. I'm going to put it on our page. You guys tell us what you think. Um, 
and we'll go from there. So leave comments on the Facebook page, and uh, we'll get your take. Watch it, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we've got a little over a year before uh, it comes out in theaters, but I have a feeling we'll see more and more come out on it uh, throughout the year. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that was our only DC movie news this week, which is a little strange considering uh, every week before there's been just a ton of stuff coming out. Right. Well, yeah, DC, they've been very active with a lot of news. Like the, It's just... It's the same thing. We get to be kind of a as the nerd world turns. So the first couple of weeks we had the you know the ongoing movie pass saga and the ongoing uh, James Gunn. Now it's like DC seems to be that. So <laughs> and not in the uh, positive sense. Man, you're blowing up. Yeah. So the problem is, is I have all Apple products and I've muted uh, my iPad and my and my phone. Well, when I get a message on Messenger, it just nonstop just bleeps. So as people text me during it, you know, unfortunately, because I'm on the Facebook page, that's why it's doing that. Ah. <laughs> so a Facebook Messenger, my uncle is trying to coordinate something, and I'm doing two things at once. Well, three things at once, really, posting, talking, <laughs> and replying. All about trying. So if I ever seem spacey and delayed, it's probably because I'm doing something else. So that makes sense. All right, uh, that was DC. Let's head over to uh, the Disney camp. So uh, Bob Iger, who is the head of Disney, um, the CEO, if you will, did a interview with the Hollywood Reporter recently and uh, gave a lot of information on a lot of different um, um, properties that Disney owns, and the first one that uh, he talked about that I, I'll get your sense here in a second tone is uh, Star the Star Wars movies. And so we all know that, uh, you know, Force Awakens came out and then you had uh, The Last Jedi and then about six months later you had Solo, a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars story. The timing of that wasn't great. We had talked about that in previous episodes where, you know, you're opening against uh, Infinity War, you know, and that just doesn't make sense. And Solo actually did a good job. I mean, it made a ton of mo money. Uh, it was a, a decent enough movie. Um, you know, I enjoyed it, uh, but it doesn't hold up to sort of the same standard as some of the classic Star Wars movies. But, uh, you know, everybody at that point started talking about Star Wars fatigue. And, uh, you know, are they just releasing too many movies at once? And so the original plan was they were going to release a Star Wars movie every year. And so, as I mentioned, they had Force Awakens. Then they had, actually, I forgot, Rogue One a year later. Then they had uh, Last Jedi. And then uh, all of a sudden you had Solo, which is about six months after uh, Last Jedi. And... Uh, Again, you know, they probably could have released Solo in closer to December, November, and had a much better reception for it from there. In any case, uh, Bob Iger said that uh, he has put into effect basically a Star Wars slowdown. And instead of one movie every year, it looks like it'll probably be closer to one movie every other year. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that they're... Um, not going to make the next J.J. Abrams movie, Episode Nine, um, but they're just slowing it down a little bit. Um, no, I I think they need to, to be honest with you. Um, 
And this is actually not even, I don't think it's Star Wars fatigue. They're blaming it on it. It's called, you took the wrong character to reboot. You, you shouldn't have done Solo. Like, you shouldn't have opened it up three weeks after Avengers Infinity War. Um, there's a lot, of, and the, the, you know, the marketing was fine for it, but you didn't get anybody really excited about it. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I enjoyed Solo. I thought Solo was a good heist movie in the Star Wars world, but you didn't need to, I didn't need an origin story of Han Solo, and we've discussed this on a previous episode, and I think that's where they went wrong, but they don't want to admit it. They don't, <laughs> they think, oh, we're giving you too many Star Wars movies. It's like, well, no, but, you know, also that doesn't help that when you follow up Solo, which not a lot of people wanted, you kind of crapped on a lot of people with The Last Jedi with the way they, you know, Rain Johnson, how he kind of took everything that J.J. did and a lot of people soured on The Last Jedi. I enjoyed it, but I definitely see it where people can gripe and complain. Uh, I think those two things hurt you. It's not necessarily the fatigue. It's... No, no, we want we want Star Wars movies too. I'll take a Star Wars movie every year as long as you put the time, the effort, and you actually put the people that care about the stories involved. Like, would love to see an Obi Wan Kenobi movie with you and McGregor. Would love it. Give me something about you know tie him and Darth Maul together. Don't just give me a Darth Maul appearance in Solo and be like, he's alive. Well, cool. (laughs) Give me something on Darth Maul. I don't want a Boba Fett movie. Don't need that. Um, just like in betweens would be nice. I, I'd be okay with that. But well, that's and that's the thing. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you put it in the right hands. You pick the right characters, the right stories, and it can be done absolutely right. Um, you know, you look at Marvel. Marvel had three movies come out this year: Black Panther, Ant Man and the Wasp, and uh, Infinity War. And I love the hell out of all three of those movies. I don't feel like it was overdone uh, because each had the right story. They picked the right characters, and it was done in a way that uh, made sense. And so, you know, with Star Wars, you could do the same thing as you get there, but uh, they just need to make better decisions on uh, not only the creative teams, uh, but the characters that they choose as well. Yeah, it's just it's just all done. They just need to get you know they need to dial in the marketing and uh, and the planning. You know, well, like what's on the what's on the table? It can be done right. It's just I I think they just don't want to admit that timing and kind of the character they pick. Yeah, it's they're not knowing their audience. Star Wars fans are passionate. They're very vocal, and if you piss them off, they're gonna let you know about it. <laughs> exactly. That's just no other way to put that. That's yeah. just how that is. So, but in the meantime, next year we are getting episode nine with J.J. Abrams back at the helm. Uh, after that, we're getting a uh, a new series of sagas, trilogy, whatever you want to call it, from the uh, Game of Thrones creators, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. And I know uh, Ryan Johnson is working on his own spinoff, but we'll see if that comes to fruition as well. So there will be more Star Wars movies, but like I said, it'll probably be once every other year until uh, they sort of get that track record back on uh, track, I guess you will. (laughs) Right. So, anyway. 
I'm sorry, I had so to clear from, my throat. No, no, you know, you're totally good. So <laughs> I'm just excited about the next topic, and I know we're getting a little long in the tooth. So, but we're almost done. Hang in there, kids. You've almost survived us. We've only got eh, two more topics to talk about, and then we'll let you on with your day. Exactly. So that was one of the things Bob Iger talked about. He talked about something else we'll get to in a second, but between here and there, uh, we want to talk about uh, probably one of the most exciting trailers that came out in the last week, which was Captain Marvel. Now, last week we were gushing about the pictures that came out. Now we've seen actual footage, and I've got to gush even further. Um, this movie looks so good. I mean, you've got... Uh, 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 Samuel L. Jackson, who obviously takes place in the 90s, and they did their fantastic job of de-aging him. He has both eyes, which uh, I assume we'll probably see how he loses it uh, in this one. But, uh, oh, God, it looks so good. Um, you know, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Jude Law playing Marvell, who uh, essentially... Um, is her mentor, um, looks amazing. And the fact that it sort of sets up the plot line and it looks like, uh, you know, she started out as a villain. You know, she was working with Ronan the Accuser, with uh, Korath, and, uh, you know, there's the scene on the, it's either a bus or an elevator, or not an elevator, <laughs> a bus or a subway, uh, where she decks an old woman. And so, um, I get the sense that this is going to be a little bit of a redemption story in that, uh, you know, she was abducted from Earth. Her memory was lost. She became a villain. And uh, now she's redeeming herself as Captain Marvel as the hero. Yeah, dude, just the opening trailer when I first watched it and it takes, you know, shows her falling and she lands in the blockbuster video. I'm like, which was awesome. I'm like, is this a real trailer like blockbuster video, which is total 90s. And I agree with you from you and I being uh, working at video stores uh, in uh, our high school years. That was really cool. And I, they they spot on. It was like three movies, three nights for nine ninety five on the window <laughs> in right. there. But, you know, it is like you said. Um, the trailer doesn't give away too much. I mean, this Marvel does their trailers great too, where they don't spoil. I mean, they get you amped up like, oh my god, I want to watch this. Like, I want to watch it now. And and de aging Samuel L. Jackson and and, uh, and Coulson as well. Oh yeah, because it does look. You know, obviously you could tell. You know that she was once you know on Earth as a human, and it kind of gives flashbacks, but. It, the trailer's great. If you haven't seen it yet, which I'm sure if you listen to the show, you've seen it like seven or eight times, maybe more. I just nicely put it up on our page, so you can watch it on our Facebook page as well. You don't even have to go that far. Everything we've talked about, again, for your <laughs> streaming purposes, your streaming pleasures or whatever. And the nice thing is, there. and the nice thing is that it's uh, one of the early Marvel movies of next year, so you'll be able to see it in March. Uh, it will obviously lead up to the events of whatever happens in Avengers 4. And, uh, oh God, last week we, we gushed over it, like I said, but uh, the, the trailer that came out, if you haven't seen it yet, you owe it to yourself. Oh, absolutely. It's 
uh, I can't wait, man. And the fact that they're op- they're doing that in March. So you get that movie in the, in March, then you only have to wait about a month and a half later for the fourth Avengers, which I'm with you. What we talked about last week, um, I I'm, I hope it is the Infinity Gauntlet. So I do too. Now, yeah. does Marvel have a third movie coming out next year, or was that supposed to be Guardians of the Galaxy three, and now it's been pushed back? Yeah, it's not coming out. I think uh, I think for Marvel movies, it's just that. It's just those two, I believe, unless Homecoming is slated. I'll look that up. Oh, you're right. Homecoming does come out next year. Yeah, or whatever it's called. Uh, Far From Home. Far From Home, yeah. Spider-Man. Because that's supposed to start off uh, the Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic, yeah. Exactly. Um, And then uh, speaking of Marvel Cinematic Universe and going back to our discussion of Bob Iger, uh, in the same interview that he did with The Hollywood Reporter, he also talked about something that uh, gets me super excited. Uh, The fact that... Super excited. Super. uh, Everybody knows that uh, Disney went and bought uh, 20th Century Fox, which means that uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four are coming back home. And with that, it was sort of up in the air whether or not those properties would be folded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, now we have confirmation that it will be, that uh, Kevin Feige will be overseeing those properties and uh, that X-Men are making their way into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm so excited. Oh, me too, man. Finally, the X-Men coming home, baby. Like they're now that they're being put on the forefront, they're no longer the forgotten bastards. I mean, they were they've been so excluded thanks to Disney, man, or they were not in Marvel versus Capcom, one of my favorite and I'm sure yours too, fighting games when they released it a year ago, they were non-existent and they said at the time nobody remembers them. That was the reason why they... I'm serious. That's what the one of the higher-ups at Disney said. Well, no one remembers the X-Men. Well, everybody Bull remembers the X-Men. It, it's just they, you know, their asses were chapped that uh, somebody else owned the property. And, uh, you know, they were trying to make the Inhumans, the new uh, X-Men, and it obviously didn't work. But, no, uh, and that was terrible, by the exactly. way. Exactly. It was crappy. <laughs> Like, I hate to say it about Marvel, but that was a, it was a crappy show. But uh, they're back home now. Uh, Bob Iger didn't say anything about uh, the fate of uh, Deadpool. Uh, I would assume that with as much... I did read. I did, did read. You? Sorry, not to interfere. Yeah, they are going to keep it R-rated. They're going to keep it as it is. Awesome. I So they're not changing any of that. I didn't assume that they would change anything with as much money as those two movies made and as well as they were received. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's all coming back to Marvel, and uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what they do in Kevin Feige's hands. Um, with that being said, did you happen to see over this last week somebody had made a, like, a fan-made uh, teaser poster of Avengers versus X-Men? No. Yeah, uh, you should look for it. Uh, obviously, post it on our um, Facebook and Instagram. But uh, I mean, it looked it, it was one of those things that when you saw it, you're like, "Oh my God, is this really happening?" And then you dive in a little bit and found out it was fan made. But you can see that the um, 
the interest is there. All of the response from it, I mean, there were uh, news agencies that were posting articles about it that uh, aren't even related to the comic book industry. So if Kevin Feige works it correctly, you know, maybe the next Avengers movie that we see a couple years down the line is Avengers versus X-Men. Gosh, you're going to have to show me when I did, when I'm looking up the images, there's tons and I'm trying to see if I see like the one that you saw. There were a couple. One was just sort of the X and the A together. The one that excited me was um, somebody holding Magneto's helmet and then sort of out of focus in the background was uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. Okay, I see that one right now. Dude, that's awesome. I know. I mean, it's not real, but it says 2020, but gosh, that would be sweet. (laughs) I I mean, there's so much you could do with this. Wow. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, to bring them back and that they're going to be a big focus and they're even even their comic books are seeing a resurgence. They're going to start bringing back people that used to write for them. And um, I think they're looking at getting some of the old artists and stuff back, if I, if I read that correctly. Seems they, like they're trying to do a lot. They are. In fact, uh, that was going to be the next topic to talk about. Uh, real quick before we move on to that, um, just got an update a little bit ago that uh, the new X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer is supposed to drop tonight. So if you're listening to this, it'll probably be tomorrow, which means it'll already be out. And this will be the last of the current lineup of X-Men. Um, I'm excited to see what's going to come of that. The X-Men movies were great in their own right, but now that they're going back to Marvel, uh, I think they'll be even better. But uh, hopefully Dark Phoenix will be a great way, uh, you know, a nice send-off for the current batch of uh, X-Men movies. Oh, I agree. It's been a good run, but uh, it is time when they get there. I hope, like, I hope they keep Quicksilver, though. I know they won't. They'll probably recast it all, but he was a good Quicksilver. He was. He was. But, I don't know uh, his name. Sorry, off the top of my head. I don't know his name, but he's good. <laughs> um, I liked uh, Aaron Paul Johnson's Quicksilver as well, but I think uh, you know the Fox version of Quicksilver was definitely better. Right. <laughs> That's all I had. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. It's one of those weird things where I was doing something else, so. That's all right. You could totally tell. You, you could. Uh, yeah, X-Men, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, as far as the comic book line, um, according to Rob Liefeld, who created Deadpool, uh, is known as probably one of the more famous Marvel artists, uh, draws terrible feet. Uh, that's a whole other side topic. But uh, he recently said at uh, Wizzle, Wizard World Comic Con. Wizzlecon! Wizzlecon! Uh, Wizard World Comic Con in Austin that... Uh, I like a wizard. <laughs> Marvel is renewing their attention, uh, their focus on X-Men in the comic book series. And uh, he was even quoted as saying that... Uh, you know, since the X-Men movies came out and Disney didn't have them, so he's referring to the Fox movies, uh, I don't know if you ever paid attention, but Marvel kind of turned the volume down on the X-Men for almost 20 years, which is true. I mean, you were just talking about Marvel versus Capcom. Um, I think Marvel themselves were a little chapped in the ass that, uh, you know, they didn't have all of the rights to X-Men. But now that they're back home, they're ramping it up and they're 
going to be just a ton of X-Men projects coming out. And he even said that uh, their budgets for X-Men are back to what they used to be back in the 90s. Oh, that's excellent news to hear. Uh, it's, see, this is just nice. I'm, I'm happy Disney got the property. I, I know with Kevin Feige in charge, oh, we're, we're in for some good stuff, man. Like, the next phase of Marvel is going to be fantastic. I think so, too. You know, and Marvel comic books, you know, they're what we grew up with and uh, was a huge fan of the X-Men in the 90s, uh, especially the Jim Lee runs. And uh, I, I hope that they'll go back to sort of that former glory uh, for those characters, because as far as Marvel goes, for me, X-Men were always my favorite. Yeah, they were mine too. They were definitely awesome. Uh, the nineties cartoon was my favorite, uh, of the animated shows and, uh, just always been an X-Men guy. And, uh, to see where they've been, uh, pushed back to the last four or five years to mediocrity and, uh, just being excluded from a lot of Marvel stuff has been disappointing. So I'm happy that they've still been able to, at Fox, they've been able to keep them around and make them relevant as best they could. But very excited to see how the MCU uh, introduces them and how we get them. And then I, you start to talk about, like, not to – I know we got to end the show here soon because it's getting long. But you, we go back to earlier in the episode where we discussed original character shows. In the X-Men universe alone, there's so many routes you could go. So many cool characters that will never be the main event. Um, like maybe Gambit, you know, oh, could, can we finally get Gambit? And I'm not talking <laughs> about Channing Tatum. No. But I mean, no, I don't want Channing Tatum as Gambit. Right. Forget but it. Gambit, yes. Yes. And, and not Taylor Hirsch either. Which no. thank God he, he killed, what was that John movie? The John's, not John Snow. That's Game of Thrones. Um, that John one movie. Something of Mars or. Yeah, yeah. Ron that Carter one where. He, John Carter, yeah, that big movie that Disney dumped into him as the starring actor, and it was a big pile of Sherwood. <laughs> yeah, so uh, X-Men news coming out over the next few years is going to be exciting. All right, uh, away from comic books into video games. Uh, real quick, uh, we talked about it last week, uh, Capcom just released sort of quickly a new bundle of uh, what they call their beat 'em up bundle. And uh, did you get a chance to pick up the game, Tone? I did. I played it, and it's awesome. If you like the old-school 90s beat 'em up brawls uh, in the vein of, uh, even though they're not Capcom, and we'll talk about it here in a second, but uh, like Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, um, the beat 'em ups this these feel very much like Streets of Rage. Uh, again, not a Capcom game, but Capcom's notorious one that I remember playing a lot was Final Fight, which is in the package. Um, in this collection, you get seven games. You get uh, Final Fight, the Warriors of Fate, King of Dragons, Knights of the Round, and Captain Commando. Um, I know you and I talked about it when it was announced, and it was like, okay, well... Captain Commando we've heard of, and these other games maybe not so much. Um, same with, like, Armored Warriors and Battle Circuit are the other two games. Mm -hmm. what, a, what a lot of fun. And what's cool, too, is they set up a cool online where you can jump in and join anyone around the world, um, their game. They could be in the middle of a game. It's kind of like going to an arcade and just jumping in and playing with your buddy or just playing with a stranger. And 
you go through the game. So there's all these servers that allow that. Um, we'll see cool. for how long. Because, you know, sometimes they shut down servers after a while and you can't find nobody to play mm-hmm. with. It's like uh, going back on uh, Xbox 360 if you want to play uh, Turtles Arcade. You know, if you want to play that online, there's no one to play because there's no server that supports the damn thing anymore, which is a shame. But, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, a lot of fun if you're an achievement hunter for Xbox and you're just playing for the achievements. It's the easiest thousand gamer score points you're ever going to get. <laughs> Literally, well, I, I got I got 100 points for playing, like, online and joining a, somebody's matchup and then beating the game. I got, like, 100 points or whatever. Well, achievement. The, and the nice thing is, you know, unlike the Mega Man uh, X Legacy Collection, which uh, tends to be a little bit pricier, uh, this one's only 20 bucks. 20 bucks, and you get uh, seven games, and Armored Warriors and Battle Circuit uh, have never been released on home consoles. Both a lot of fun. Um, couldn't tell you much about all the games other than they literally have the same formula. Four-player action, go through, follow the story, beat the hell out of people, rinse, repeat. That's it's really all they are, every single one. And, but I like it. And they're what we used to call button mashers. So you know, Exactly. You, you, there was no skill required. All you had to do was move your character around, mash as many buttons as you can, and you were capable of playing the game. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, some of the arcade fighting games where you had to memorize, you know, certain moves and then fatality combos. Or if you, uh, you know, were a big fan of like Killer Instinct, where you know you could rack up the combos, but you had to learn every single move, movement and button to hit uh, to get those combos in there. Yeah, and I would recommend it if you have a Nintendo Switch, which I do, and I should have just bought it for the Switch, but I wanted the achievements. Um, I would recommend getting it on the Switch so you could take it on the go. It's a fun, quick pick them up and beat them up. And what's cool about the Switch is versus the Xbox and PlayStation version is if you had um like if you wanted if let's say like i came to your house and you don't have a switch well we could set the switch up you know the screen pop up the little kickstand you have one of the joy cons i have one of the joy cons and we can go to town and then let's say you did have the switch and that we wanted to get you you know like your boys wanted to play mm-hmm. we could set the screen up and it's like i have a joy con you have a joy con they have joy cons and we have four-player button mashing at its best. So, right, local, yeah. not jumping online. It's yeah. you know, four people in the same room uh, all playing the same game. Exactly. So um, it's also out there. Um, I would, if, you, if you're not going to be quick, if you're on the fence of buying it, if you want to be a thrifty bargain buyer, um, I would wait maybe right around November or October, November. Capcom seems to release games. And then a month or two later, they slash the prices of sales. So you, I'm sure at some point you'll get a real good deal. I made the mistake of buying, uh, was it the Disney Afternoon Collection with DuckTales, Chippendale, Tailspin, and, uh, all, and all those games. I paid 20 bucks, well worth it, all great Nintendo games. But then, like, I think two months later, it was like on a, a Game of the Week sale or an Xbox publisher sale, and it was like, Seven dollars, but I just <laughs> twenty. So you know, sometimes it pays to wait a little bit. But I, I definitely knew we were going to review this game, and I was chomping at the bit to play some Captain Commando because I, I remember that being kind of a fun game, and it still holds up. I mean, if you can get past graphics and stuff, but uh, uh, still very, very fun to play. 
reminds me of good times uh, at the arcades, which we'll transition into. Well, let's transition to it now. Um, we were going to do another well. topic, but uh, so Tony actually sort of surprised me uh, a couple weeks ago uh, with a game that he came across at uh, his local barcade uh, of a game I had no idea that was even coming out. And uh, he sent me some snaps of it, and it looked amazing. And it was basically a brand-new arcade version of Ninja Turtles, uh, utilizing not the uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles characters. Thank but, goodness. But the you know, last, year's, last few years, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the CG uh, characters. And it looked amazing. And you had a chance to play it. What were your thoughts? I played the first level, and I actually did it. I went and saw a Rockies game with uh, uh, with a girl, and uh, as she, as we parked different sides, and on the way back, I decided someone had tipped me off and said, "Yeah, you know, we were talking about classic arcades," and they're like, "Oh, did you play the new Ninja Turtle arcade game?" I go, "The new one? What?" And he goes, "Yeah, there's a brand new one out. It's at the at the One Up here in Denver." And I said, "Well." Uh, no, I got to go check that out. So I'm walking back to my car, happened to be passing the one up, and I was like, I got to, man. Like, even if I, you know, like, we're going to go have dinner after the game, but we parked on completely opposite sides of the stadium, and, and I knew we were going to sit in traffic for a bit. So I went over to the one up, went in, and sure shit, there's a brand new Ninja Turtle arcade game. And I'll I'll find pictures and stuff, and I'll share this on the websites, uh, but... I was I was so excited I snapped Chris and I'm trying to record while playing so I can catch <laughs> actual video game play you know as I'm playing but plays just like the uh, the 1989 and you know Turtles arcade game and Turtles in Time it actually has a lot of elements of Turtles in Time where you can take the, the Foot Clan the Foot Soldiers mm -hmm. and throw them at the screen oh very uh, cool yeah it's got that um, there's now a new thing though you can build up your power uh, meter and you know how like you in the turtle arcade games like if you hit two buttons your jump and your attack button at the same time you would do like a special move and it would take a little bit of your energy for uh -huh. doing it um they now do this thing where it builds up a uh, a meter and then there's a turtle shell button you press by your uh, attack and jump and when you press the once you fill your meter and press the turtle button you do a you do a, a super move so like i was uh michelangelo for a couple plays, and then I went back and I was Leonardo. Um, but because Michelangelo's button kept sticking, typical arcades. Somebody <laughs> spilled something. It's a brand new arcade machine, and the damn jump, but the attack button kept sticking. So I moved over to play Leo. But uh, when you press the button, they do this real move, this real cool move. And Michelangelo just had this thing where lightning struck and all these, like acid pizzas or something came flying out and it just blew up everybody on the screen and it was it was cool and the animation's great because it's that last ninja turtle style and uh bebop was the first boss of the first level and same thing when you hit them and you get them down to their uh dying point they flash just like the old arcade and uh -huh. oh my god i felt like a little kid man i could actually i i I want to go get a roll of quarters and actually go one day after work and just sit there. I'd not, well, not sit there, but I want to stand there and I want to just play that fucking game because it, it's a quarter eater. You only get two lives just like you did and it's 50 cents a pop. It's not a quarter this time and 
And I had a dollar, so I played one round is Mikey and then one round is Leo. And uh, very impressed. Would love to see this game on a console. Absolutely would love to see it on a console. And I think it probably will in uh, you know a period of time. Obviously, they want to sort of generate the buzz around uh, the arcade game itself. But, uh, you know, it, it looks just too good to not come to a console at some point. Right. And I'm very disappointed that, like, the marketing, like, no one's talked about it. IGN hasn't made no reference to it. Um, no one's like, hey, now go, go to your local arcade to find this game. But so we can tell you here on the podcast, if you've hung in this long on this episode, you can go play the new Ninja Turtle arcade game. I'd look up to see if you have a barcade in your area. They may or may not have it, but if you're in the Denver metro area, one up off of Blake Street by Coors Field, they have it, and you can go play it now. Yeah, it's not like you can go to the local uh, round table or a bowling alley like you used to back in the uh, 80s and 90s. Uh, you have to find a place that specifically has it, and typically nowadays that tends to be the barcades. Absolutely. So, which is good. It appeals to our generation, the arcade generation. It does. It does, which is nice because now we're all old enough to drink and alcohol and video games. Who could ask for more? Absolutely. <laughs> and I know I keep saying that. That's that's what Sober Tony says. Drunk Tony says, 110% on pump. Sober do Tony it. says, absolutely. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> all right. And so uh, we're finally on our last topic of the podcast for this week. Uh, we thank you guys for hanging in there. Uh, this one is exciting, um, to say the least. So, As the nerd world turns when we talk about drama. Just kidding. We're not talking that this week. No, this isn't drama. Uh, so to give a little foresight, uh, two years ago, Nintendo decided to release in limited supply the NES Classic, which was a scaled-down version of the original NES console, included uh, two original controllers, um, and was packed with, what was it, 30 games? Yeah. And then uh, last year, they came out with the SNES Classic, which uh, I own one of those. Uh, I don't currently have one of the NES Classics. But uh, I love the hell out of it. Uh, my boys, you know, when they're out here, they're, they play it almost more than the uh, PlayStation 4. Mostly because the games are easy to pick up and play. And, uh, you know, there's a huge selection uh, to choose from. Now, not Nintendo, but uh, PlayStation has announced that they are releasing the PlayStation Classic. Uh, which includes two original PlayStation controllers. Again, it's sort of a scaled-down version of uh, the original PS1, and will be preloaded with 20 games. And uh, it's exciting. I mean, I when PlayStation originally came out, it was the new exciting thing. I went out and uh, grabbed it right away. One of the first games I had was Resident Evil, which scared the shit out of me at the time. Uh, you go back, the graphics obviously aren't what, you know, you thought they were when it originally came out, but uh, it's uh, it was a fun system. And so uh, that's coming out December 3rd. It's going to have a retail price of $99.99, so a little bit more expensive than the NES and the SNES classics. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be preloaded with 20 games. And uh, at this point, they haven't announced all of the games so far. Uh, at this point, it's only five games that they've announced, which are uh, Final Fantasy VII, 
which was probably one of the biggest games on that console. Jumping Flash, which I do not remember that game. Uh, R4, Ridge Racer. It had a rabbit on the front when those cases were really big. Okay. I somewhat remember that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Ridge Racer Type 4, which was a great racing game. Uh, Tekken 3, which um, it's a fighting game, probably one of the best ones to come out at the time. And then Wild Arms, which uh, I vaguely remember at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to. I'm surprised they didn't announce more games to it. Um, I did read some drawbacks to it. Um, as a video game collector and yeah, fan of the nostalgia games, uh, I think that uh, 20 games, okay, it's not bad. I, I'm sure it's due to space, maybe because right, I mean, I mean, they were CDs and and they weren't discs. I mean, excuse me, they weren't cartridges like Nintendo. Um, but uh, I'm surprised they didn't announce all 20. Now, I worry a little bit in this sense, because Sega Genesis, uh, they actually made their retro machine before Nintendo. Nintendo just made it cool, because Nintendo got in the market. And they but made Sega, it limited. Yeah, Sega has been doing it for a while. And if you look at Sega, they'll offer, when you walk by and see a Sega Genesis in the store, it'll say, oh, with 85 games and wireless controllers. Well, the wireless is neat, but... The 85 games, you're only offering like 30 Sega Genesis games, and the rest are these weird knockoff, crappy... Yeah, weird third-party games. Yeah, so I don't want that. And I kind of am worried, like, I don't think PlayStation would do that, but it worries me a little. Um, uh, And when I try to think of 20 PlayStation games I liked, I mean, I'm thinking some of these games are going to be hard to get on there, but they would make game changers like Marvel versus Capcom one was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, street fighter versus X-Men. Uh, you think street of the street fighter? I mean, then I don't want a street fighter alpha game or nothing. Cause there's the street fighter collection you could get now, but twisted metal one, two or three great games. Don't need all three of them. Just pick the best out of the three. Yep. Uh, like you said, resident evil one, resident evil two, both great. Tony Hawk pro skater two was awesome. Oh, oh Yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Ni- Symphony of the Night that was fun. Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> that actually was a fun game. Yeah, screw on Jammer Lammy. We don't need that. Right. Crash um, Bandicoot. Crash, yo, oh, yeah. And I worry. I don't think you'll see that on there though because of uh, all the recent releases of that. And Spyro the Dragon. That's right. Uh, Tomb Raider. Uh, but Tomb Raider, I don't think I'd want to go back and play the blocky version because yeah. it was a pain in the ass to control. It was. The controls were troublesome, to to say the least. And then the new Tomb Raider games that have come out recently have been just fantastic. Exactly. Uh, Oddworld, Ada, Abe's Odyssey was big. Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, which we played the upscale version on the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um Tekken 3 was one of my favorites. Gran Turismo. I think you said that was on there. No, Ridge Racer Type 4. Oh, Ridge Racer. Okay, Ridge Racer's fun, but Gran Turismo was a great game. Um, Silent Hill. So there's, <clears throat> for me personally, I know two games that won't make it on there but were a ton of fun was uh, Triple Play 97, which was a baseball game. It, it definitely won't make it, but that was no. one of my favorite baseball games. And, uh, oh, Ten Pin Alley. That was a blast. <laughs> that actually was fun, yeah. And that won't be on there either. But nonetheless, PlayStation Classic, I think that's it's 
It's going to be neat. Now, there was a rumor that came out this last week, and I know we shouldn't talk rumors. It's all speculation till announced. But the Nintendo 64 Classic, apparently, the specs have been leaked. So I think that's incoming. If GoldenEye is on the N64 Classic uh, and uh, Super Mario, then they've already taken my money. Those two games oh. alone are a reason to own that system. Oh, yeah, you got to have that. And that one is one of those, too. That was cartridge-based. I mean, there was – oh, man, yeah. there's an Because I've never played a good Nintendo 64 emulator. It's always usually jaggy. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to have an actual – console that you know where you can play these um so that should be announced soon um while we're on the um, while we're on the talk of retro and everything um i got a chance to try nintendo online uh, or switch online is that what they're calling the service yeah. switch online um so far um not bad man it's pretty neat to play uh the old school nintendo classics uh right on your uh, little screen take it to the go um, as far as online play, don't know, haven't played with anybody yet, but, uh, yeah, it's 20 bucks for the full year. Um, I'm looking forward to those, uh, switch, uh, the, uh, the Joy-Con Nintendo classic controllers, a little steep on the price at 60 bucks for two, but they're wireless and they stay charged. Now, this is something Nintendo probably should have done instead of release the console, you know, the minis and shit. The classic editions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they should have just put it on their system just like this because it's perfect. Um, there's not a lot right now um, for Nintendo Switch Online, but uh, it is pretty cool to play a little higher-res version of Super Mario 3, though. <laughs> That's always fun. yeah. But uh, I'll give you further reviews. But yeah, the first the first batch games it's uh, Balloon Fight, Baseball, Donkey Kong, Double Dragon, Doctor Mario, Excite Bike, Ghost and Goblins, Gradius, Ice Climber, Ice Hockey, the original Mario Brothers, which is lame because it's inside Super Mario Brothers three as well, <laughs> um, which is also on there. Pro Wrestling, River City Ransom, Soccer, Mario Brothers, Tecmo Bowl, Tennis, Zelda, and Yoshi's Island. So. It's a lot of games for twenty bucks for the year. Yeah, and there's and there's more. There is more uh, coming ahead. Sorry, I'm getting the beep. I'm being told uh, <laughs> they're they're coming for me. Dun dun dun. Um. So, um. But there is three more games. I I ran it out last week, drunkenly and impressively. I must have read it off of a screen because it sounded pretty scripted. Uh But yeah, more to come and. Uh, Apparently some hackers, I, I didn't look into doing it, but apparently they found ways to get their own Nintendo games on there, which, hey, you leave yourself open, that's going to happen. Yeah, you always run the risk of uh, potentially getting booted from the system uh, or from the online service, and uh, I don't think it's worth it. I think, uh, you know, those Nintendo games will eventually be released anyway. You know, why not just wait for them? Exactly. I could do without, like, I went and played the Nintendo baseball and tennis and soccer. Terrible games. They were <laughs> terrible. I'm sure they were great for the time, but, man, they're awful. But who's complaining? 20 games already right out the gate playing Tecmo Bowl, even though you don't get to play as the – they don't use real names. They're blank. So You don't get to play as Bo Jackson? Oh, he's in there, but he's just – he's no name. There's, ah. there's no name behind him. But he's still – and he could still outrun everybody. <laughs> so, 
Bo knows Tech Mobile. He knows Tech Mobile. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. And there's no uh, big game releases this week. I know this is a long episode. Uh, the Walking Dead Telltale version of uh, – they're on episode two, which unfortunately is going to be the last episode ever because Telltale game shut down this week or this Didn't last week. Really? They shut down the doors and they had to cancel all their projects they had coming out. So um, they're trying to – there's other gaming companies that are trying to put together something to finish up uh, the planned uh, Walking Dead finale because they still have three more episodes. Um, so if you bought the season pass, you overpaid for two episodes, unfortunately. <laughs> I did not do that. This is sometimes why waiting for games sometimes works out. Um, but, yeah, Telltale was uh, no more. So you won't be seeing those types of games. Um, well, you might, but just not from them. Uh, so, But that's out this week. Other than that, last week was uh, The Shadow of Tomb Raider. Have not played that. Still don't have a review for you, but uh, wanted to at least give the impressive shout-out of the Nintendo Online for having the video game aspect. I think that's pretty cool. So Nice. We appreciate it. All yeah. right. That does it for a long-ass episode, but uh, hopefully you guys uh, got some enjoyment out of it. Uh, hopefully you stuck with us this long. And uh, as always, check out our social media. Go to facebook.com forward slash Proton Pack Podcast, uh, Instagram at Proton Pack Podcast. Uh, give us feedback, post on there, tag us, uh, let us know how we're doing, and uh, we'll just keep on keeping on. That's right. We are outskis. Hey, Juan, thanks for having, thanks for being on the show. Oh, yeah, no big deal. Thanks for listening to the Proton Pack Podcast. Sexy White Teeth, Tony and Chris, Ocho Cinco. Later, alligators. <laughs>